When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Michael Moorcroft. Thank you for tuning into the Mage as Well, your 101 guide to all things witchcraft and spiritual. Hey Mages, welcome back to the show. This week I'm looking at Lake Titicaca. The research for this one, it was slightly challenging. Lake Titicaca has a lot of New Age conspiracy theories, and getting to the bottom of what was actual fact, it, it took some time. Also, we don't have a lot of written historical records from the time of the Incans as the lake fell within their empire, and then they were defeated by the Spanish. The most we have is oral traditions, as well as unreliable Spanish accounts who came to colonise the area. Therefore, the written accounts have obvious shortcomings. Located in Bolivia, near the border of Peru, the lake is one of the highest in the world, at over 12,500 feet. It covers 3,200 square miles, and it's about 1,000 feet deep. I've put pictures on the Insta page. It is insanely beautiful. The lake is seen as a cradle of civilization for many Andean cultures. It contains about 41 islands, mostly uninhabited, but with several being very sacred and playing a role in Incan mythology, as well as other cultures that developed alongside the lake. Now the name Titicaca, it's somewhat of a mystery. There's some that say it comes from one of the local languages, called Quechua. Titi meaning feline and caca meaning stone. Although there's versions that suggest caca means rabbit, as the lake when viewed from above looks like a puma hunting a rabbit. Now how the ancients knew that the outline of the lake looked like that is mystifying, when we have only discovered that detail recently from satellites. But there is no official origin, and some have even speculated that there may never have been an officially recognised name. Now, the Spanish in the mid-16th century, they took particular interest in the lake, as there were rumours that the Incans were throwing their gold into the lake so the Spanish couldn't get it, and with the fluctuating water levels and the water being so cold, it's difficult to explore today, and it's led many to theorise of ancient cities long submerged. It's been suggested that we know more about the surface of the moon than the bottom of this lake. 
A common ritual conducted by shamans is travelling to the nearby mountains that form part of the Andes mountain range that overlooks the lake. The mountains signify Mamapacha, a goddess of earth and time. Condors acted as the mountain's guardians and messengers of the mountain spirits, and they would communicate with the shamans. Findings on the top of the mountains suggest that the shamans would travel up to the top, over 18,000 metres, and perform ceremonies to induce rain. Offerings have also been pulled up from the bottom of the lake. Large stone boxes containing a plug that once removed reveals offerings to the gods. One particular box contained a miniature llama and a gold bracelet, as well as the bones of young llamas, possibly relating to fertility for herds of llamas. Anchors have also been found around the sites where these offerings are common, suggesting that the rituals may have taken place on boats. Also, at the time of these offerings, the lake would have been lower, exposing a reef called the Koa Reef in the centre of the lake where the offerings took place. However, it wasn't always the Incans that conducted these rituals. It was their mysterious predecessors, the Tuinaku people, who I'll talk about in a bit. But back to these stone boxes. According to a 17th century cleric, these rituals and offerings were often accompanied with a sacrifice from either a child or an animal, and the blood would be poured into the cavity of these stone boxes, and then it would be sealed. As these boxes were lowered into the lake, the blood would seep out and cloud the otherwise pristine waters. Pre-Columbian societies offering their children to the gods, it could be seen as the ultimate price to pay. Jane Eva Baxter, who specialises in the history of children and childhood, thinks, quote, You're sacrificing the future, and all that potential, all of that energy and effort that's gone into continuing your family, continuing your society, into the future. You're taking that away when you take a child. What could have been the result from these rituals that could possibly justify the loss of a child's life? The waters of the lake today have washed away all traces of blood on these boxes, so we're left wondering, is this true? It's not only stone boxes offered to the gods that lie beneath the surface. Local folklore whispers of an ancient lost city called Wanaku. Locals are apprehensive about archaeologists dredging up the past in fear of it offending the ancient gods and disrespecting the local spirits. They see it as highly disrespectful as they consider the lake to be very, very sacred. A dive team working in the area, they were initially delayed for four days due to the distrust from the locals. Now these divers, they supposedly found a temple in the lake. Now I say supposedly because there were some who have questioned the validity of the find, as the team were only there for 20 days, a very short time in archaeology. They only had one archaeologist, and they released their findings through a press conference rather than peer-reviewed papers, and nothing has really resulted from it 20 years down the line. Now, there are some archaeologists who use the service of a Yatari, and it's commonly mistranslated to shaman, and it doesn't really do justice to their skills, as they are often experts in multiple fields. Now, a Yatari will conduct a ceremony over the intended dig site, and essentially give payment to the earth and the spirits. In this capacity, they act as consultants between the local community and archaeologists. 
The Atari are members of the community, and they can either be female or male, and a prerequisite to become one is that they must be hit by lightning, and it's said at this point they die, and they are reborn, and if they have signs that they are the Atari, they cannot refuse the call. The word, it translates to someone who knows, and they work with ancestors and human skulls that represent the elders. There's also a tradition of them working with the plant coca, and performing agricultural ceremonies as well. Around the lake, ancient customs are blended with Catholicism. Cars are blessed outside churches, and beer is poured over it as well. Yataris are enjoying a cultural revival lately. They have been called to many government events, as Catholic blessings are falling out of favour. Now, the Uros are an indigenous people of Peru and Bolivia that predate the Incans, and they live approximately on 120 floating islands on the lake that they build from reeds that grow on the shore. The base of each island is approximately two meters thick, and they have lived like this for hundreds of years, and it was mainly for defensive purposes. The Incans would often attack them and take their people for slaves. Now, these guys, the Uros, they did used to live in the centre of the lake, but in recent years a huge storm wiped the islands out. So they started to build their islands closer to the shore, where there was a bit more protection and a bit more safety. Now their ancestry, it can be traced back to 3,700 years to some of the first settlers of the area. There are also the Takileno from Tequile Island, who have formed a very close-knit and strong community, and their textile art has informed and inspired many cultures in the area and throughout the world, including urban outfitters who horrifically appropriated it. The wheels on the capitalist wagon go round and round. Some of the people living in the Titicaca Basin still follow the Incan way of life, by following the three simple rules, which were vital in Incan society. Do not steal, do not be idle, and do not lie. The lake is seen as the birthplace of the Incans, and it's where their souls return to after they have died. It was one, if not the most, important province of their empire. The Incan emperors also sought to marry women from the area and to have their children born there. Majors, my sugar pot spell, it's ready. We can lift off, and I want your cup to overrunneth. Sugar pot spells are traditionally used to sweeten your life and bring joy. And who doesn't want more of that? I mean, I do. Subscribe to the link in the description, and you can be added. What are you waiting for? There's no time to lose. There's a myth around this lake. Long, long ago, floods wreaked havoc on the earth and nearly wiped out all life. The surface of Lake Titicaca stirred, and from it emerged Viracocca, meaning sea foam, and he was the god of the gods. He commanded the sun to rise in the sky, and it did. He commanded the moon to rise in the night sky, and it did. Finally, he commanded the stars to illuminate the heavens, and they did. He breathed life into stones and created giants. Though unhappy with his creation, he destroyed them and tried again, this time happy with the result. He taught these people agriculture, language and the arts, and he left them to their own devices. 
as he wished to begin his journey to spread his knowledge throughout the world. But before he left, he put the sun god Inti and the moon goddess Mamakila in charge. And it's believed that through Inti's sweat that gave the Incans gold, and Mamakila's tears that gave them silver. As Virakoka travelled, he encountered other tribes and groups of people who he taught how to live a good life and passed his knowledge onto. He eventually reached the sea to the east, where he set off on a raft, vowing to one day return. He left two particularly important people in Lake Titicaca, Manco Capac and Mama Oklo, the first Incans and children of Inti and Mamakilla, the sun deity and the moon deity. They civilised more local peoples, and it was through these demigod pair that the Incans grew and flourished. Inti, the sun god, promised lands to his son Manco and his people. He gave Manco a golden staff that would sink into the land, signifying that's where they should build. They walked through the mountains and finally found the area. They called the city Cusco, the city of the sun. Now the royal Incan bloodline descended from Manco and his sister wife, Mama, which is why they had the right to rule. They weren't fully human. The main issue with Viracocca, this figure that I have, is that he's often described as a white man with a beard. And I doubted this as it has blatant colonialistic tones. Every article about Viracocca states he was a white man. And this simply isn't true, as none of the native narratives have this detail. It appears that this was added after the Spanish invaded to validate Andean culture and to link its greatness back to the European white man. There are some that say the Spanish priests were reliable and didn't place their Catholic beliefs into and onto Incan mythology. However, I'm not 100% on board with this. And it's also suggestive that the Incans couldn't possibly build a powerful and successful empire without the aid of a white man, and it's highly dismissive of their achievements. Also, there are multiple foundational myths for the Incans, and they are all somewhat entangled and intertwined. I want to talk about some of the islands on the lake. Now, the first one is called the Isla del Sol, and the fact that it's at the centre of the Andes made it a very special place, and it was also the home of the sun god Inti. It was the ceremonial centre of the Incan Empire, and over 80 religious structures have been discovered there. It contains the town of Chalapampa and Umani, and a huge complex of mazes called Chicana, thought to be the training grounds for Incan priests. Along the road to these mazes, there are two huge footprint-like carvings, I guess, imprints, and they are attributed to when the sun god dropped down to the earth. And maize was also grown on the island. Now that is a very difficult crop to grow at that altitude. And it was revered. It was taken and used in the sun ceremonies back in Cusco, the ancient capital, and another highly sacred site. Isla del La Luna contains a covent for virgin priestesses and was a huge complex that was used for a religious centre for the neighbouring towns and cities. Now these main islands, they were in use as far back as 1800 BCE for spiritual purposes, though they could be possibly earlier. The town of Copacabana is one of the greatest pilgrimage sites today in South America, which is no coincidence as the entire area was of massive spiritual importance to local people. However, there's one site that predates the Incans, and it's the city-state of Tiwanaku, which had early prominence. 
Now, Tuinaku is a city located near Lake Titicaca. The city was a powerful state and established a sun cult that was around the lake. It was from these people that the Incans adopted and incorporated their beliefs into their own spiritual framework. The Tuinaku people created many of the religious institutions and complexes that lie on the islands in the lake, as well as around the lake, that the Incans would later come to claim as their own. It's also thought that there were pilgrimages to Tuinaku, and it's thought people stopped off at key sites, making the journey around two weeks, with the Island of the Sun being the last point of interest. Now, the Incans turned Tuinaku into a highly important ritualistic centre, and the emperors made a pilgrimage around the lake, through the ruins of Tuinaku, and finally to the islands, ending with the Isla del Sol, before returning to the capital of Cusco. Although some have said that Tuinaku was the endpoint, there's, there's a little bit of debate around that. It's thought that this pilgrimage, done by the emperors, would add authority and legitimacy to their empire, and also to their ruler and his reign. Now, the northern tip of Isla del Sol is called the Sacred Rock, or Titicala, and it's, it's this area with the red outcrop of sandstone where the sun was said to have risen at the beginning of the world. It's here where a temple was built to honour this point in Incan mythology, and it played a vital role in the pilgrimage. There were also other vital stop-off points on the journey, where you could only proceed after confessions and penance. There was also abstinence from salt, meat and chilli peppers, and pilgrims could then travel on a boat from the mainland to the Isla del Sol, and walk towards the sacred rock. It's suggested that the lower class pilgrims, they couldn't go into the inner sanctuary that was built around this, this red sandstone outcrop, but they did give offerings to the priests who would go through into the inner sanctum and leave the offering there for them. It seems that only the highest people of importance, i.e. those who were descended from the sun, could approach the stone on the condition that they remove their sandals. Because this area was so important, the Spanish moved native Incans who were of noble birth and had status within the empire onto the island to start a new life. Now these people, they were originally from all over the empire, and they kind of became the protectors of the temples and shrines on Isla del Sol and Luna. The solstices played a huge role in Incan religious life, and they built stone towers to mark where the sun rose and where it set in the June and December solstice. Now towers like these can be found on the hills above the sacred rock, and they would have marked a three-day period where there would have been rituals and celebrations. There's evidence to suggest that there was a huge altar in front of the sandstone outcrop, which contained a hole where corn beer was poured during ceremonies. Shrouded in mysterious rituals, forgotten histories, and pristine beauty, Lake Titicaca is a sacred site like no other. And majors, that's it. That's a wrap for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. My intent with this podcast is to provide guidance and inspiration for those on their spiritual path. I also want to connect you to information that is both useful and reliable. Would you like to support me and encourage me in creating more episodes? With your support, I can give the podcast more time and create more quality content. You can support me through Patreon and gain access to exclusive content and be part of the Majors World community 
as well as being in the communal sugar pot spell. The link is in the episode description. You could also support me by following my Instagram at the Majors Well, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and telling your friends about the show. Please get in touch with anything you'd wish to share at themajorswell at gmail.com, and you may just get featured. A big thank you to Coral St. Clair for the podcast artwork, and to Cecily Klim for editing. Peace out, witches. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.